Thursday night. If you're not watching Thursday night football, you should be listening to myself and Paul Moyer here on Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9. The Seahawks are, took an L to the Green Bay Packers, 17 to 0. They dropped to 3 and 6. The Packers are 8 and 2. Not the game that you wanted to see out of Russell Wilson on his return. This guy was 20 of 40, threw zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Rushing the football, the Hawks had 16 carries for 75 yards. But on the positive side, defensively, they held Aaron Rodgers 23 to 37, 23 of 37. One interception did not get inside the end zone. Devontae Adams had seven for 78. So there are some positives to build off of this. That was a huge game for the Seahawks. The defense held the Packers to three points going into halftime, zero points in the third quarter. The fourth quarter, they got things going. It seems like this offense was not able to create long drives and just touch the end zone one time. Yeah, uh, obviously frustrating. Um, by the way, uh, you can do both. You can listen to us and watch the game. Boom. Just like I'm doing, listening to you <laughs> and watching the game. I think the frustrating part is the defense has finally turned it around. I mean, yeah. when I say finally, we were waiting for Sunday to see, to quantify that, yes, they're a good defense. Because uh, we had played well the last three or four weeks, but we're like, yeah, maybe that quarterback's not that good or the offense isn't that good. Uh, we knew the Packers were, and obviously with Aaron Rodgers, one of the best in the game. So I, so that's frustrating because the offense, I, that's the worst. Well, I haven't, they haven't been shut out since I, I can remember. And uh, I, having Russell be a little rusty, uh, sure, I, that's somewhat expected. What I didn't expect was us to revert back to kind of last year where – not really trying to run it. And part of that is we couldn't get anything going. We only had like 15 plays the first half. So that kills your game plan right there. But the offensive line really struggled. Um, I felt Russell went back to that. I'm looking downfield. I'm, I'm looking for the big play yeah. all the time. I will say this. Green Bay locked us up, too. There were times where I'm like, hey, guys, yeah, y- y'all got to do something. We got You got to get away from your guy. You got to get a good release. There were times that Russell got some heat and there's just no one to throw to. But there's still check downs. And that was the frustrating part where he just, I'm looking, I'm looking, it's not there. Boom, drop it down. The far, the longer he holds it in a zone, the farther the, the underneath coverage gets defensively and the bigger those check downs are. And that's, again, I thought they corrected that a little bit last year. Um it just rusty, disappointing by the offense, obviously. Yeah, I'm going to say that Russell felt like he needed to win this game for his team. He goes, look, I've been out three weeks, four weeks. If you include the bye, we're going into Green Bay. Haven't won there since 1999. That's 10 straight these guys have lost. He's thinking, I got to go out there and I got to put this team on my shoulders and make the play. That's why he forces it to DK in the end zone. That's why he forces it to lock it deep where there's two safeties smothering him. He felt like he needed to make – the play and for the first time I heard Russell step up to the podium and own all of that like I, w- I was waiting I'm, I'm sitting here and we're both sitting there we're like look how is he gonna handle this situation is it gonna be this the generic hey we'll be okay I gotta we're gonna move on we're gonna correct things he goes nah that's on me I gotta own it I need to make better decisions it comes down to two plays um probably more than two plays in that game you know more you're you're known for picking out four to five plays but those were two big plays so I appreciate him stepping up to the podium and saying, look, hey, guys, that was on me. So we know that last game was on him. 
So now we're moving forward because that's what you do in football. That week is over with. Let's focus on who's coming up next. That's the Arizona Cardinals. They are 8-2. and two. They won seven in a row before losing to the Packers, beat the Niners, and then lost to the Panthers, but they're missing Kyler Murray, A.J. Green. I'm not, A.J. AJ playing that game? Not sure. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was out. They lose Chase uh, during that game. These Arizona Cardinals, uh, I feel like every week we've kind of looked for reason not to believe in them. Like, it's Arizona Cardinals, right? They're not going to do anything. But uh, there's no denying the talents that they have. James Conner is a touchdown machine. He has 11 rushing touchdowns. You got Christian Kirk. With all the talent they have in that receiving core with DeAndre Hopkins, with A.J. Green, Christian Kirk is leading the charge with 47 catches, 603 yards, four touchdowns. Hopkins has 35 for 487, seven touchdowns. A.J. Green, 30 for 460 and three touchdowns. And then Rondell Moore has helped out as well with 36 and one touchdown. They got some weapons. They're loaded. This defense has been playing well. They're going to be tested again. Yeah, and their offensive line's pretty good, too. I mean, that used to be a huge weakness of Arizona. They've they've shored that up and, and, and have done a good job. Look, when the season started, I was watching in preseason. I wasn't worried about Arizona because they looked the same to me. Uh, Kyler Murray looked the same to me. Well, the regular season, he doesn't look the same to me anymore. <laughs> you know, and you just look at his statistics now. He's completing, you know, 72% of his passes really – Let's round it up to 73, as you mentioned, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions, a little bit high. Um, but they're a complete team. And, you know, I think Green Bay is still a team that their defense is legit. Yeah. Um, and you've got Aaron Rodgers with all those weapons. And for what they did going into Arizona and beat them without all their people, to me, you got to kind of grab that game plan because Aaron Rodgers really willed that game, not with big-time throws. It, he wasn't pushing the ball. It was dink. It was dunk. It was just, let's just keep moving the chains. Let's just time a possession. Let's play field position battle. And I think one thing I, I wrote down in my notes, we're, we're analyzing what was wrong with the defense. What's wrong with the offense? Should their offense throw the ball? Should their offense run the ball? Should the offense play up-tempo? So what? We just got to find what's the best way to win a football game. And really, the head coach, you sit with the whole team, you say, we're playing the Arizona Cardinals. Here's the best way for us to win the game. And our game plan going into this, we're going to run it. They better try to run it because they're 31st in yards per uh, average defensively against the rush. It's kind of their one weakness. Mm -hmm. Because everything else, they're they're top five uh, defensively. What is it? And, you know, and there can't be any conflict can't be, oh, you know, we got to let Russ cook. It can't be, oh, we should be running more screen pass. Oh, we can't. What is the best way to stink and win this game? And is it to put it on the defensive shoulder? Is it just to play field position battles to try and actually win time of possession? I don't know what that is. You right know, now. I think it is. I think it's smart football. It's all, it's field position. It's running in on third and short. I don't care if it's a, it's a, if it's an obvious rundown situation. It's throwing those check checkdowns that you mentioned. It's just playing smart. I think when this offense is struggling, you can't roll the dice that much. And But thankfully, this defense is playing at a high level. They're going to bail you out here and there. But this offense just needs to put a bunch of plays together and move that thing down the field and get the run game going. It's been a while since we, we looked at this run game and say, okay, they're good to go. I think the last time was against the Steelers. Is that when Alex Collins went for over 100 yards first time since 2019? Yeah. The Hawks had a 100-yard rusher. Um, it comes down to basic football. It comes down to keeping it simple, silly. Keep it simple. K-I-S-S is what we used to call it. Not silly. <laughs> we called it something else. 
but we don't want to get in trouble here. So let me throw this out. Do not take this wrong. And the reason why I was thinking about, we just got, how do we win the game? What's the best way to go in and win this game? You know, again, sometimes to air it out, sometimes to run it. We've been on Shane, people have been on Shane Wald, a lot of social media. Mm -hmm. We've gone through Bevel. We've gone through Shoddy. We got Shane Waldron. I'm tired of hearing about offensive coordinators. They call the game. They put the game plan in. At the end of the day, it's the players to execute and win football games. Yep. We Do we have enough talent? I, it, it's either coaching, talent, <clears throat> ex, scheme, or, or, execution. Or coaching the talent. It can't be coaching the talent as well, right? Because if you can't get your players to execute your vision, your scheme, then it has to be something in the approach, right? It has to be something in the coaching. Because I, I, I think Waldron's scheme is fine. I like what he's trying to do, but for some reason it's not connecting. Well, the reason why I'm just saying that, I go, I feel like it's the same, we're having the same type of conversations over the last six years, mm-hmm. you know, and all they've done is won and been successful with, with Pete's philosophy. It, it can't be every coordinator's issue, right? It, at the end of the day, you guys are talented. You're making a lot of money. Go out and play, kind of what you just said. Just go play football. Just make good decisions. And I think it'll be, I think it'll work out. Maybe we don't have the talent. You know, that'll be something to to address too because we've been good for so long. It's, it's hard to win in the draft world when you're always drafting way into the 30s or into the second round. That's why I think the Seahawks got Jamal Adams, gave up the first round picks they did, knowing that normally we're going to be so late in the draft, it's worth it. And we have so much salary cap room going into next year. We'll make it up in free agency. Okay, real quick, where don't they have the talent? Are you saying they should have went after Odell Beckham? No, 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 no. That's I, I, I don't think that works out long term for the Rams in the way they th- hope. But no, that's not it. And we, let's talk about more about that when we come back from break. Hey, welcome back from break. <laughs> and when we come back, we'll get an opponent preview from Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. That's next here on Hawks Live. Thanks for joining. Us on Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumps with Paul Moyer. We're going to dive into this week's opponent, the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to talk to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Darren, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? We are doing okay, man. For a couple of years, we've been looking at this Cardinals team and thinking, man, they're almost there. They're almost there. At 8-2, and two, have these guys arrived in what has been the deciding factor or the difference between this year and other years? Well, I mean, I do think they're in a better position this year uh, than obviously the last couple. They've they've come together quite nicely, and if they can find a way to keep their best players healthy, namely Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, I think they'll be in a lot better place. But uh, yeah, they when when Kyler is playing, and in, in specifically, they've played excellent football. They've been great on the road. Um, you know, are they a perfect team? They're not a perfect team. I don't know if there is one of those in the NFL this year, but um, I, I do think that uh, if these guys come back healthy after the bye, especially, um, they have a real good chance uh, to make a deep playoff run. I talked to some of my Arizona alumni people. They say it's nice and beautiful weather down there, so we're jealous. Um, Darren, you've been covering these guys for 22 years. And they've had some good teams, you know, particularly when Kurt Warner and, and stuff were there. Is this the best Arizona team you've seen? I mean, I'll be honest, Paul. We, 
there, there's so much football left in the season that I think some of that has to play out. Does it have the uh, ability to be that team? Yeah, I do think it does. I mean, if you think of the best uh, two teams uh, or the best eras, I guess, that I've covered in the last 20 years, uh, there would have been the, the Kurt Warner teams, like you said, where they won back-to-back division titles in 08 and 09. And that was a flawed team in a lot of ways uh, that kind of rode Kurt Warner for a long time. And then there was the one in the, in the mid-2010s uh, with Carson Palmer and, and Fitz and, and all those guys that uh, I think might have been a better team than the previous iteration. They got to an NFC championship game, but they suffered some key injuries, especially in 2015 when Palmer hurt his finger and Tyler Matthew blew out his knee. So, you know, again, I, I need to see where this, this – uh, season goes if DeAndre Hopkins barely plays the rest of the way because he's hurt uh, it's going to take a lot away if Kyler Murray can't get on the field sooner rather than later and get back to where he was then then we'll see him and obviously this team started very well last year and did finish great but I, I think they've got the capability of doing I think they're a deeper team I, I think they're built so that they can uh, they have more skill guys they run the ball better uh, they have a better defense I mean overall uh, they have a chance to be one of the better teams uh, since this team moved to uh, Arizona. I am looking at one of your tweets with uh, the injury list there. And one of the things you, you talked about uh, are the injuries, but uh, Buda Baker, you, you status bears watching. You got you know, DeAndre Hopkins who hasn't practiced in the last two days. What, what do you know? I know it's harder nowadays just because we're not down there all the time, but uh, what, what do you know about some of these injuries? Well, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't practiced since uh, before the uh, October 24th game. Um, and I, until he gets back on the field, I, I find it hard to believe that he's going to be ready to play. Um, and, and with a bye coming up after this game, I think they're going to want to be careful. I don't know uh, a lot about the Buda Baker injury. Um, you know, he opened the week limited as a heel. And I thought maybe he did something in the game Sunday. Um, but now I'm starting to wonder if maybe he got hurt in practice or something because he didn't practice today. Tomorrow, obviously, will be a big deal. You know how kind of a practice goes in a week. Friday becomes a big deal. So we'll be watching what happens with Buddha tomorrow, uh, and obviously we'll be watching to see what Kyler Murray looks like tomorrow. Hey, Darren, we know this is a quarterback-driven league. You guys have a quarterback who's playing well right now. Kyler Murray is completing 72% of his passes, 17 touchdowns. What have you seen in his progression as a quarterback that allows him to play at such a high level this year? Well, I mean, Kyler, I think, made a lot of the normal strides that you would see from a quarterback in those first couple of years. I mean, he, he, he was the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, he did make a Pro Bowl last year. It's not like he was playing bad football, but uh, he, w- he was taking those steps. And he didn't, you know, I, in a lot of ways, a lot of people like to make the comparison between Kyler and, and Russell Wilson because of similar statures and everything. But, but obviously when Russell came in, he had the luxury of having arguably the best defense in the league for a number of years when he first started. So they asked less of him, whereas Kyler came in uh, to a team that was in bad shape all the way around and they needed more from him. And, and he wasn't able to deliver every time. But I think this year, um, in addition to the things he does well, which is, uh, amazing escapability and making some off-schedule throws. He has been really good in the pocket, and uh, they they've shored up the offensive line. He's been more patient in the pocket. They have more of a passing game 
in the middle of the field, whereas the last couple of years it felt like uh, they were only attacking deep or on the sidelines. We're now in the middle of the field is in play. Uh, and, and, and I also think he just makes better decisions. And he said that himself. I mean, you get three years into your league, you've seen most of what people are going to throw at you. And, and that just was going to take time. And I think that's kind of where he is as a quarterback right now. Kind of a two question one for you, which I shouldn't do, but I'm going to, um, you know, everybody knows about the offense and you know, there's, it's usually where the star names are, but this defense is, is legit. I'm a little, little surprising on some of their, their run defense numbers, but overall really good. So uh, one, how big of an impact was losing JJ Watt and share with our listeners, just some names that we don't know about and why they're all playing so well defensively. Well, I'll start with J.J. Watt, and I, I think he was playing really well when he went out. Now, he didn't have a bunch of gaudy numbers, but, you know, you look at some of the ways, uh, some of the analytics and how they, they look at, at, at linemen now without the stats and, you know, uh, pass, rush, win rate, and, you know, run-stopping rate, and he was one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league when he went down, and, uh, he just he gave them a presence in the middle that just isn't there right now, and uh, you know they're going to have to live without it, obviously. And and maybe he comes back sometime in the playoffs, but you know if not, you know that's that's the risk you take by taking a guy who you know has had some injuries, but it was worth the risk to them. And I I do think he was a big reason why they started the way they did. Um, as far as the rest of the defense. Uh, you know, everybody knows Chandler Jones, who had a really good first game, and he's kind of been up and down since then trying to find his, you know, some of those sacks. But Marcus Golden on the other side, a guy that started with the Cardinals, left as a free agent, and has come back, is having a really nice year, and he's got nine sacks right now. Um, so that's a guy that I think is, is playing well. Zach Allen is a young defensive lineman who, in his third year, seems over the last couple, three weeks, has really found a rhythm. Uh, now that J.J. Watts out, they've really had to lead on him, and I think he's been solid. He's, he's not spectacular, but he's been solid. Uh, and I think Isaiah Simmons, who, um, you know, he just started playing some significant defensive snaps last year when the, the Cardinals went to Seattle. Um, he's had a solid season. I, you know, he, he has, still has some young person moments, um, but he, uh, I think, is playing a lot better. And then the last guy I would mention, would probably be Byron Murphy. You guys are familiar with him, the cornerback out of Washington. Uh, he took over as their number one cornerback when uh, Patrick Peterson left as a free agent. And I really, truly believe he's turned into one of the better cornerbacks in the league. And he deserves some Pro Bowl consideration. And, and, he, and he's, been, uh, he's been really excellent. Darren, man, we appreciate your time. We hope the Hawks make it a tough one on Sunday, man. You have a good night. I uh, appreciate you having me. All right, thank you. All right, that was Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. When we return, we'll talk to DB Ryan Neal. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Thanks for joining us on Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. Now we are joined by DB Ryan Neal. Ryan, what up? What's going on, fellas? What's going on? Hey, you know, we're just talking football on a Thursday. Life is good, man. Hey, so I'm... Your birthday, December 24th. I was born December 13th, and you know what I got? I got a lot of, oh, this is your birthday slash Christmas present. When was your birthday? <laughs> did, did, did you get some of that? December 13th. Okay. Did you get some of that? Oh, man. I Oh, heck yeah. Until I realized what was going on, and they had to change <laughs> stuff up. I caught them slipping. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was gonna, I'm going to ask you more about this birthday because my daughter, is it, her, her due date is right around Christmas. 
So would you recommend that oh. she induces a week before, or is it okay to be right around Christmas for a birthday? Oh, she's done either way. She's too close. <laughs> Just being she's in December, close. right? Too close. Oh. oh, yeah. You you crossing that threshold to December, you're too close. You're done for. <laughs> hey, Ryan, I always got love for guys who entered the league undrafted. Moyer and myself were both undrafted guys. And, uh, you know, people – don't really know the grind. You know, you're at practice every day. You might have a good practice one day, might not have one the next day. You don't know if you're going to be uh, cut or not. How how gratifying is it for you to be where you are now, knowing the journey that you've had to get into this league? I mean, it's a huge blessing, man. I'm just, you know, thinking back on it, like you said, coming into it, you know, you're already, you know, undrafted. And, and, and unfortunately for you, mistakes are something that you just can't have. And, and, and you're on a, you're on a different kind of a time clock, you know, and it's kind of one of those things that whenever you get an opportunity, you, you, you out of all people have to ace it at all costs. Cause it may be your last. And so, um, just looking back on it and looking, you know, back to the journey, man, I'm blessed, man. This is really gratifying for me. Finally being able to, you know, go out there and play ball, man. It's something that, you know, you've been dreaming your whole life and, when you get so close to it, you've been watching it, you know, from the sidelines, like, man, I just really want that opportunity to be out there, and it finally came through for me. So, you know, I'm, I'm very blessed. I know that story there, Ryan. I mean, I, yeah, I, I was an undrafted free agent safety, played seven years, but I played every position. I played both safeties. Mm-hmm. At times I played nickel. At times I played what we call strong linebacker. You you were kind of did a little bit that with you and Bobby uh, in the middle. What, what are you most comfortable with? And I know you just want to play. But what are you most comfortable mm-hmm. position-wise playing? Man, I tell you what, safety's always been my bread and butter. I mean, ever since I was in high school, uh, I played that position day one. You know what I mean? And had my bounce at corner, but it's just it's nothing like playing safety to me. I mean, you you see the whole field. Um, you can run and hit. You can make interceptions. You can do a lot of things. It's just, it's fun, man. Being able to play in space running around and, and being involved in the run game and the pass game, it's, it's, to me, is just the best position ever. And I, I've always had role models and idols who I just looked up to playing that position, just all the fun they had. Like, I look at Air Reed or Sean Taylor or, you know, guys like that, just playing a position just so freely and just, you know, fast. It was, just, it was always uh, attractive to me. So safety for me is probably just the best. Do you like dropping down in nickel situations and playing more of that linebacker role and maybe line up on tight? You know, they they move you around. I mean, I've seen you on big tight ends, wide receivers, <laughs> running backs, inside, deep. Um, but do you like sitting in that middle too? Are you comfortable at least in the running situations? Oh, absolutely. I mean, shoot, that's that's the game right there, running and hitting. I mean, you, can, you don't get no better than that. <laughs> I love it all, man. Being in the box. I did it a lot in college, so you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's nothing but an extension of it to me. I love it, man. Linebacker is the next, the next best one. You know what I'm saying? You in the middle, you involved, and if you you know read stuff well, you can you can get a chance to steal some stuff, man. And those plays are always cool to watch. So yeah, I love playing that position. It's fine. Ryan, I remember you coming off the bench making plays against the Cowboys, and the following week you make a play against Miami. Um, you always seem to be in the right place at the right time. How was it? sitting on the sideline and getting your number called and just saying, look, man, I stay ready, so I ain't got to get ready. Man, that's that's what you do it for. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those things that when you in that grind, you know, that practice squad grind, you just got to remind yourself, like, man, hold on. If I can make plays against the starters, the guys who are out there doing it, you know, on Sundays and big-name guys, if I can pick them off, I can make plays against them, I can make plays against anybody. So I'm going to just take the time to really work on my craft and, you know, compete at all times. So, you know, when that time came, 
you know, I was ready for it. You know what I mean? And coming off and making a big play, especially in my first game, that was just a man, a, a sign of relief for me. It was just, you know, like a finally, you know what I mean? And that it was, it, was, it meant everything at that moment, man. It took me days to even just have that register in my mind that, that it just came in that <laughs> to that situation. But, you know, it all works out, man. It all works out. Hey, coaches always want playmakers, and you're a playmaker. And your secondary's full of them. I mean, you got Jamal and obviously Diggs. There's another guy who's been really popping uh, and showing, and that's Trey Brown. I mean, he, he did it in college, and now he's getting an opportunity. I mind just sharing uh, how he's developing and, and what you think of him. Well, you know what? We all, everybody in the room absolutely loves him. You know what I mean? And he has the one to to get better. And uh, and that's the thing that you love to see. And the thing is, we're, we're you know, in the deep room, we're hard on him because we want him to be the best he can be. And we know he can be that good, you know what I mean? He he does it. He has the, the natural capabilities. Even, you know, people question his stature. It has nothing to do with that. He's just a gritty kid, very, very fast, twitchy, and he just loves to compete. And that's the thing that you love most about him. So, you know, we we take our time with him in the room, make sure he understands everything he's doing and really, and really you know, being great role models for him and, and just letting him just, just go out there and make plays and just help us out, man. He's doing a terrific job, and I'm, I'm proud of him for sure. Hey, Ryan, the NFL is in your blood, man. You got an older brother, Mike Neal, who played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. Talk about his influence in your life as just a person and as a player. Well, you know, as a person, he's been in my corner, you know, forever. I mean, you know, blood brother full through and through. Um, growing up, you know, because he was a little bit older than the rest of the siblings, so he was kind of like brother dad. But over the years, we have developed this real brother-to-brother relationship, um, him going through know his time in the league and seeing his struggles and seeing his moments where he shined and you know kind of just observing it from a different point of view and, and then when he finally seen that you know something that I really wanted to do like I you know I told him you know all the time like man ever since he did it it just opened my eyes like you know what no I can do it too and he recognized that and continues to just pour into me invest in me all through high school college all the way up to now still um still sending film clips still asking questions gave me the lay of the land of the NFL before I stepped in it so I can kind of understand how it works and what goes on. And that just kind of kept my head in the right place going through. So, you know, football life and just life-wise, we're always talking about life every single day, you know, just, just figuring it out, trying to do the best for our family, for our hometown, you know, and always trying to make an impact. He's always been a heavy, heavy influence in my life. Uh, you know, I tell everybody, that's my mentor, man. That's my, that's my mentor. We talk every single day around the clock. So he's real, I keep him real close. What do you like to do away from football? I mean, look, it's a stressful business. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. What do you like to do to get away from football? Well, kind of taking advantage of the area up here, man. Seattle's a beautiful place. I mean, there's plenty of hikes to go on. I love going out and catching views, like sitting high in the mountains or just kind of just driving different places and catching different viewpoints here. Just to kind of clear my mind and just be in the stillness of it all. You know, I love hanging out, um, especially with family, that's my thing. I love when they come into town. We always have a good time. But I just love really chilling for real. I love hanging out, just relaxing, and uh, catching the breath, man. Taking a breath and just enjoying life, man. Taking it for what it is. Hey Ryan, big week coming up. You guys are still in the playoff hunt. <laughs> Forget what the record says. You guys are still in it. What's the temperature of this football team right now? 
The temperature of this football team is win at all costs. I mean, that's just what it is, and we understand that dynamic, and that's what we're doing. You know what I mean? We're going to work. Everybody knows what the stakes are. Everybody knows what time it is. And the thing about it is we always train that every game is a championship game. Even though the record may not look like we have been in championship games all year, so this is nothing new. You know what I mean? It's something we always be getting ready for, and that's what we're looking at it as. And like I said, we all know it's at stake, so you can, you can bet that – Guys are coming out. You know what I mean? We going we pulling from everybody, we pulling from everywhere, all hands on deck. So that's just what it is right now. Hey Ryan, well that defense is playing great right now, man. You keep making plays. Good luck this weekend. We appreciate you taking time. Man, thank you. Thank you guys for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Hey, already. Thank you, sir. All right. I love was, him, man. man. I love watching him play because he reminds me of you. A little bit. <laughs> Seriously, playmaker. Twenty one. Well, he's twenty six, right? No, you're twenty one. You're yeah, twenty one. But he's not yeah. twenty one. No. Nah. He's twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Twenty one and twenty six. Close, 26. Enough. close yeah, enough. I see it. And and if my, my granddaughter's born on December twenty fourth, he's gonna be even we're gonna be tighter. I like December thirteenth better. Let's make that happen. I, look, earlier is better. <laughs> that would work for me. All right, that was Ryan Neal. When we return, we'll talk to the professor John Clayton. That's next on Hawks Live. know what time it is 7:45. you hear the funk in the background i'm michael bumpus with paul moyer so that means we're bringing in john clayton jc what's up how we doing we're doing okay man what do you think about this thursday night game man new it england's stinks. up 16 to 0 it stinks it john stinks. It's come on terrible. John. it's boring i mean, come <laughs> on. I mean it was, it's predictably boring i mean I, I know uh bob and dave and i talked about this you know at four o'clock but uh I mean, when you see some of the rankings that come out, and he had, I think, Seattle in the power rankings at 25th, just really close to Atlanta. I mean, these teams aren't even close. I mean, it's kind of like comparing a couple weeks ago when Jacksonville came to town, and uh, you have people saying, oh, yeah, if you with Russell Wilson out, Jacksonville's better. Atlanta's terrible. I mean, look at look at the pass, their offensive line, how bad it is. I mean, in, before the season. I was saying how bad it is when I was looking at the scouting reports and everything else. And then you look at the defense, it's not that good. I mean, when you look at the yards uh, and the way that uh, the Patriots have controlled the ball, I mean, it's just amazing. It's only 16 nothing. John, I'm looking at the standings, and New England's basically a, a half game back of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Where do you think wins the AFC East? I still think it's Buffalo because I still think they're the better team, but it's now going to go right down to the wire because I think you can see New England, they're, they're looking really good. You know, Mac Jones is the best of the rookie quarterbacks playing so far, the five first-round picks. Uh, you know, and what, what's, what's the one stat? Uh, he's 6-4 and four as a starter, now going to be 7-4. and four. And the other uh, quarterbacks, you know, the five quarterbacks who played, including Stanford's uh, Mills, I mean, they're 5-36. and 36. So, I mean, he's won seven. They've won five. And then you can see defensively uh, they're getting better and better and better. Matthew Juden right now, uh, he's probably in the top four or five for defensive player of the year. He looks fantastic with his nine and a half sacks. And, of course, you know how good they are in the secondary, even though they were so good they could even get rid of Stephon Gilmore. John, the Rams have lost two straight games and look a little lost on offense. What are your thoughts going on in L.A.? I think, you no, know, a lot of last week, 
had to do, I still think, and nobody's confirmed this, had to do with his ankle injury that he suffered at the end of the game two weeks ago. Because, I mean, we've seen what's happened with Kyler Murray, who has now missed two and you know should, may, may be able to play this week, but he just wasn't throwing well. Then, of course, you make the adjustment. You lose Robert Woods, who is, you know, he was so dependable. And then you put in Odell Beckham Jr., and they force passes to him. And then the other thing is they can't run the ball. I mean, they're not running the ball very well. Daryl Henderson seems like he's always hurt. So you throw all that together, they're a little off right now, but still they've got a great record and a great team. Well, we'll go a little more Seahawks here because I'm looking at the NFC and I've started to go down who's the best team. It's really interesting. Tampa Bay's lost two in a row. Now the Rams, Arizona's you know, struggled with uh, some injuries. Um, so let's talk about some injuries. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked to uh, Dar- was it Darren Urban, I believe it was, yeah. uh, er- earlier. And they're beat up. I mean, you got Buda Baker. They they said keep an eye on that one. Yeah. Uh, uh, DeAndre Hopkins still hasn't practiced since I believe October twenty eighth or yeah, something. Yeah, he, he's going to miss the game. Um, so one, who's who's healthier of these two teams? Well, it's not even close. I mean, Seattle. You know, they, they've you know added a few guys that we don't know about. Again, we don't know. We pretty much know that Carson. Uh, Chris Carson's not going to be able to go, but I think you know they got good news on Dwayne Brown, and you know you've got uh, you know Dwayne Estridge back and all that stuff. But I think what Arizona has like about 17 players on the injured list, and a lot of them key guys. I mean, you know, no Hopkins, no Justin Pugh, the guard. Uh, that Max uh, Garcia, he's banged up on the offensive line. Uh, and, and again, you got the injuries on defense, and they lost Buda. Uh, Buda Baker's probably not going to be able to go, and then JJ Watts on injured reserve. So it's like you throw all that together. That's not a good sign. And so it's like uh, they come into this game pretty beat up, and then you wonder if Kyler Murray is going to be out there. You know how limited is he going to be with his movement? Because you know that ankle still is not going to be a hundred percent. So it's like Arizona is clearly the more injured of the two teams. John, this Seahawks defense has been playing some good football as of late, allow 13 points against the Saints, 7 against the Jaguars, 17 against the Packers. Are you impressed with this defense, and do you think they can continue to play at this level? I mean, impressed, no, but I think uh, you can see definite improvement. I mean, again, you know, impressed would be a top uh, 10 type of defense, but they are doing a lot of good things. You can see the improvement in the secondary. I mean, D.J. Reed and Trey Brown have done a great job as far as coverage. You know, Jamal Adams, who was added to a list of guests today with a groin injury, but he'll, he was just limited in practice. I mean, he's making some better plays, and they actually started blitzing him a little bit more. I mean, you can see that uh, they're able to get a little bit of pass rush and all those different things. So in the end, I think that you're seeing some pretty good improvement from this defense. But, uh, you know, impressed, no, they still have to continue to get better and you know, do it and sustain it for some period of time. Green Bay was pretty good. I mean, definitely underrated defense. I think we knew how good they were going into it because they've, yeah, they've given you know Arizona a tough time mm-hmm. when they were healthy. Obviously, they shut us out. Um, last week, our offense, was that an anomaly, or is this what we're going to expect the next few weeks? Well, I, I mean, I think there's going to be a little bit of you know, set-up time for Russell to try to get back to being Russell. And, you know, clearly you can see that uh, two things that he had to do because he couldn't take a snap behind center. So it's like he had to take a pistol and shotgun. And I, I think the big mistake that they made is they passed the ball too much. I mean, so, for example, when you think that they only had, uh, you know, 
11 carries to running backs, that's a recipe for disaster. Didn't we watch that all last year when it was 60-40 past the run? And, of course, what ends up happening is what happened in the game. I mean, the longer you go, the more you then have a tendency to get turnovers, and they got two interceptions. And then, you know, what you, what's so sad about the defense is that, the, again, the defense played a great game against Green Bay, but when you're on the field 2-1 to one compared to your offense, uh, and they just wore down. And that, that just happens. I mean, particularly when you have guys like, you know, Bobby Wagner and Adams and all those guys out there for, you know, over 67 plays. So it's like, uh, you know, that did catch up to them. John, the Hawks are still in the playoff hunt. Do they make the playoffs? Well, I mean, I think this is going to be one of the tipping uh, games to tip off where it's going to go. Because if they can win this one, then I think that they can make it at 9-8. and eight. You know, because, again, they've got the four easy games. You know, they got Detroit, Chicago, Houston and Washington. And again, Washington is 27th on defense right now. And, you know, they're down to basically, you know, uh, Tyler T- Taylor Heineke is the quarterback. Then if, if they can just go two and two in the division, that's why this Arizona game is so important. Because if they lose the Arizona game, there's a good chance that they'll lose in Arizona, which means they'd have to get sweep wins against San Francisco and the Rams. But if they can go 2-2 in the division, win the four winnable games, I mean, technically they're the uh, – third or fourth easiest schedule down the stretch and that does help them out and their schedule so much easier than some of the other teams then I think that they can make it at nine and eight and again where I'm, I'm still looking at is that uh, you look at New Orleans and you know they were five and two surprised everybody you know beat Seattle but now once they lose Jameis Winston now they're at the point right now where they're down to five and four and I think they're going to continue to drop you know Alvin Kamara didn't practice today Good chance he's going to miss his second game. And, of course, they've got a couple injuries on the offensive line. So I think they're vulnerable to continue to fall. And if they fall, you know, because they're one of the six winning teams in the NFC, then all of a sudden you have five, and you may have two chances for a nine-win team to be able to make it. John, you said this Thursday night game is boring. You know what's not boring is DK Metcalf. He always keeps it interesting. What are your thoughts on him? Do you feel like he needs to grow up, mature? I mean, just what are you feeling? He says he needs to grow up and mature. I think we all agree. You know, particularly now that uh, you know the the you know, Walt, you know, Walt Anderson, the head of officials, is doubling down on the taunting rule, and you can see they're not backing down one bit. And so it's like, hey, they sent the letter out to all the teams and general managers and coaches and said, now listen, you got to get your guys to start behaving and you know not do put themselves in that position. Well, Metcalf is one of the worst as far as that goes. And so I know he said today that uh, you know he needs to grow up. He needs to grow up. He needs to stay away from all the extra taunting and all the extra you know verbiage and everything else, and just concentrate on catching the football and blocking. It's the one thing I don't like about the NFL when they go into the competition committee and come out with these decisions, and mm-hmm. really the players just have no input whatsoever, and it, it drives me nuts. But John, it's that time. What's on your mind, Professor? Well, I mean, again, I, 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 I go back into the taunting, you know, because again, what do we have like now? Thirty-five penalties in the first ten games as far as taunting, and again, what I don't like, I never from the very beginning, I didn't like the taunting rule. Now I even hate it worse. And now the fact that, you know, they're calling as many as, you know, seven, eight a week is getting ridiculous. I mean, you know, you, you can have a dance by Cassius Marsh, and the next thing you know, he gets uh, hip-checked by 
uh, Tony Corrente, and he gets the uh, taunting penalty on him. Uh, you've got all the penalties going against Metcalf. I mean, again, I still look like the, the Metcalf thing when, you know, he climbed the goalpost, and, you know, they gave him a taunting for that, you know, because uh, they're saying, oh, yeah, well, you, you, you had an, an, an object that you'd – like, I mean, the, the object's not going to get hurt. You're not going to cause any problems. None of these taunting penalties are going to lead to any fights or any injuries. It's not a safety issue. It's just a dumb issue. John, you made my night. Thank you for agreeing with me on this taunting ridiculousness, John. Hey, appreciate your time. You have a good night, man. Okay, thanks. All right, that was John Clayton. When we return, it's time to talk that talk. Me and Paul Moyer will square off on some issues. Is the best version of Jamal Adams yet to come? Can the Seahawks win without big gains from DK and Lockett? We'll let you know next on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's time to talk that talk. Me and Moyer are going to square off on some issues. Things we got to get off our chest, Moyer. All right. I'm going to well, start us off. Let's go with number three first, then. Oh, you want to go no, number three? I'm teasing. Oh. No, no. <laughs> so, hey, let's get let's right go, to well, it. Let's just get right to it. Let's just start throwing <laughs> haymakers. All right, we'll start with some jabs then. Okay. Okay. The best version of Jamal Adams is yet to come. True or false and why? True. Um, he got his first interception. Yep. It, it, Interceptions come in bunches. There's a there's a pressure. I think he put on himself to make plays. I got to make plays. I'm the highest paid safety. Yada yada. He's been balling out. First of all, yep. I mean the guy is disruptive in the run game. He's he's playing well. We're just not seeing it statistically the last three or four games until he finally got that interception. I think we're playing him at a safety position. They're they're using him to his strengths as well, where they are doing some stuff where they're dropping you know defensive end outside linebackers into coverage and bringing him off the corner. Um, so his time's going to come when he gets some sack. But I think he's he's a more complete player this year than he was last year. Mm, okay. So you're saying we're going to see a better Jamal Adams. Eventually. Well, I think it's just to continue growth. He's playing pretty well. I mean, if you go and put the tape on, he's playing well. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say we already saw the best of Jamal Adams. Set the record. What, nine and a half sacks as a DB? I mm. think that's where he's in his sweet spot. That's where he's in. His zone. I think he will continue to get better at attacking the ball out the air. I'll, I never see him as a four, five, six interception type safety. I see him as a guy who wants to get in the box and tackle and hit and do that. And last year, he did that. And he did it at the highest level any DB has ever done it. So I think we saw the best version of him already. But I think we'll see another version of him that is more conducive to a defense having success. Individually, that's the best we've seen last year. So I guess I would ask you, I get from a sack standpoint, but to me that's narrow. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas this year, look, he's starting to play more cover too. He's gotten better at it. He's playing other – he's playing more. To me, he's more of a complete player uh, because we're playing him at a more traditional safety. Um, I get the numbers there. Like, to me, it was more narrow because it was really off the blitz. He, the coverage, he struggled. Uh, you know, he, he didn't look good in cover two. He's starting to look more comfortable there. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say we, we tied that one. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? Oh, man. I'm going to go with this one here. Um, the Seahawks can't win without big games from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, which, by the way, six TDs in the three wins, five TDs in the six losses. Absolutely true. They need big games from these guys to win, and that means Russell Wilson has a big game. 
Russell Wilson needs to have big games for these guys to win. So that means DK and Lockett need to have big games. See how that's connected right there? Mm-hmm. Russell and DK and Lockett are connected to the hip. And right now this offense is looking like they need to be a pass-first offense. We don't know the, the health of Chris Carson. You got Alex Collins back there who had one good game as a starter, 20 carries, um, 100 yards against the Steelers. No disrespect to Alex Collins. I just don't see him being able to do that every single week. What I can see is Tyler Lockett and DK or vice versa, whoever, one of those guys having a big game every week and Russell Wilson leading the charge. For this team to go forward and win ball games, you got to rely on those two. Absolutely true. Yeah, I, I don't have a wish. If I had a wish list, or I don't know if that's the right term, but if I thought, oh, gee, our running game was awesome and our, def- our offensive line was playing exceptional, um, then I would say, no, we don't need a big game from them. We can just control the clock, move the, the sticks, uh, run the ball well, play great defense. It just hasn't happened. We we haven't won without big games from either DK or Tyler or in Russell Wilson as well. So I'm going to say right now, you're right. We that doesn't mean we got to go crazy, but they got to have big games. They got to have eight catches, a hundred yards, and a touchdown. Yeah. We, we've got to have big plays. It's too hard for us right now to go twelve plays, eighty yards. You know, we still got to score easy. Million dollar question, Moyer. Mm. Name the biggest problem with the Seahawks offense. Scoring? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think right now it's, it's the inconsistency um, of the big plays, the checkdowns, the te- up-tempo, the, the quick passing game. So, to me, it's the biggest problem I see is we're still not taking what the defense gives them. Mm-hmm. And we're still looking for the big play. And that, that's fresh in my mind because of last week. I, 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 if I looked at every game, I might have a different answer. But last week is fresh to me. So that's the biggest problem. To me, it really starts as much in the offensive line as well. But because Russell has the ball every time, I got to put it on him. And so he talked about it. He took, he took ownership. He's got to play better. He's got to play better because we have the players that we have. It's not going to change. The scheme's not necessarily going to change. It's in his hands to make it work best. And I would just want to tell him, just take what the defense gives you. It's okay to every once in a while throw the ball away and punt. I feel you. I think the biggest problem is connecting the first play with the eighth play, connecting the 20th play with the 32nd play, like giving a look and having two or three things off of that and then executing that. Right. You can go in with a plan and say, okay, we're going to set up this early so we can run it late. You got to do that, but then you got to execute. You got to make the big play. There are a couple plays these past couple weeks where guys just aren't making the play, and then I don't see a, a runoff from, from the first play. I need play one, and I need play 1A, 1B, and 1C. That's how you get defenses kind of backing up and second-guessing themselves and then just making the play. I think your pro bowlers need to play like pro bowlers. And the OC, Waldron, needs to connect some plays together and show a look in the second quarter, then boom, show it again in the third in the same situation, and guess what? It's not that play. It's something else off of that. Easier said than done because you get in situations and you might not get in that same situation, but um, that's what I'm seeing. I think that's what's missing right now. It is interesting after I heard you uh, talk that it really is about just making plays. It's about just being smart. Yep. I mean, it, we're down 3 nothing. We're in field goal range. It's third down, not the time. 
you know, just let's kick the field goal. Let's let's play it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with you. You won that one. All right, how about this one? And I'm going to I'm going to throw a little wrinkle on you in this okay. one. And the reason why is Arizona is the 31st ranked rush defense average. In other words, yards per carry. They're 31st right now. The Seahawks ran the ball. Well, they, they didn't run it last week at all. I think they went 11 carries uh, for our running backs. Well, the Seahawks run the ball 25 times or more Sunday. I was going to go 20, but I think that one's too easy. Yeah. I want to go to 25. Okay, absolutely not. <laughs> I just don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to rely on Russell Wilson and DK and Lockett because I think we agree they need to play big to have success. And I just don't know what they have in the backfield. You got Alex Collins, you got DJ, you got Travis I don't know how much they believe in that. We don't know what the health of Chris Carson looks like. I think they're going to go with their $35 million man and say, look, go ahead and win this ballgame for us. I don't. I, I'm hearing Pete. I'm hearing Pete say, we got to run it. Matter of fact, I'm going to jam this down, this philosophy down, you guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of gave you some leeway. Like, yeah, go ahead and make your best decisions. But when he said, we're not running it enough, um, I think we'll have success running it, too. They're pretty banged up. They've struggled against the run. I'm going to say they're going to – and I also think, here's the other thing. We don't win the games very often when we don't run the ball at least 20, 25 times. That is true. And we have to win this game. It's one of their weaknesses. I think we're going to commit to it. We'll have more balance. Look, is balance here – how many times did, Green, or did San Francisco run last week against uh, the Rams? Whole lot of. 40-plus times. Whole lot of. And they averaged 3.9 yards per carry. So it wasn't like they were just gashing them. So that's what. Go look at the, go with the, go look what Arizona does. Go look at Tampa Bay. Go look at Green Bay. Green Bay to me is a great example. They don't put everything on Aaron Rodgers. And so I think we're going twenty five. I think that philosophy we're technically um, halfway point right. We're yeah. eight and a half weeks into this. <laughs> uh, so I think the, that philosophy is going to be jammed home. All right, I'm going to go ahead and say you won that one, Thank Moyer. you. I Thank like you. that one. Okay, when we return, we'll go inside the film room. We'll break down plays from Trey Brown, Russell Wilson, and Jamal Adams. That is next here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live every Thursday with me, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer. Thursday night football has concluded. New England Patriots win 25-0. to They beat the Falcons. That's good for the Hawks. Good for the Hawks. Falcons lose. That is good for the Hawks. <laughs> that's that's. Crazy talk that we need Atlanta to lose. <laughs> Crazy. Hey, we'll take it, though. Any way we can get it, we shall take it. But now it's time for us to go into the film room. That's when Paul Moore and I put on our coaches' caps and we break things down. The first play we're going to talk about is Trey Brown. He breaks up a fourth and two against Alan Lazard. Rodgers on a fourth down and two. Takes a shotgun snap. Looks, throws inside. Ball is yes. knocked down. Actually, it's the receiver. It bounced off the receiver because he was hit so hard by the defensive back, Trey Brown, who just unloaded on Lazard and knocked that ball loose. He was just across the line to make was Lazard. Ball was coming in hot, and Trey Brown got there just at that moment and knocked it down. Huge play for the Seahawks defense. It's really textbook. I mean, uh, they've got three wide receivers over to the right. Into backfield, they're, they're Aaron's looking for the matchup he wants. They've got uh, two wide receivers over to the left-hand side, as it looks, uh, from an X and O standpoint. you got Jamal Adams up and does a really good job of getting his hands on the receiver and working over the top because they were trying to work him. That was the initial read. 
but Jamal took that flat route or arrow route uh, away, and this is where Trey Brown. I've been on him. He's a playmaker. I mean, you the quickness he does here is unbelievable, and the way this is a quick throw. The, no one gets rid of the ball quicker than Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. and he makes a play. And when he puts his feet down and drives on this play, and I've seen this a bunch, he drives to the ball. And that, he's he's done already a bunch of passes defense because of this huge play in this against, I think, the very best in the game, Aaron Rodgers, at this type of throw, and he outplayed him. Man, what I love about this Boyer is that he played the ball and the man, not either or. He wasn't just going for the pick. He wasn't just going for the tackle. He goes, look, it's fourth and two. I'm going to make a play. This guy has a great job of feeling the game, right, feeling Lazar sit down, seeing – Aaron Rodgers separate the right hand uh, from the left hand and get into that throwing motion. And then believing in what he's seeing and breaking of the ball, you pointed out something that's crucial to this as well. Jamal Adams, just getting your hands on him, even if it's just a little bit. As a receiver, if you are not going to make me adjust or influence me any kind of way on my route, I'm 100% confident that I'm going to be okay. Jamal does a good job getting hands, getting to that flat. And then Trey Brown, man, is being a ball player and making a technically sound play, which has been a while since we've seen something look like that in the secondary. There's a play. There's part of this play that goes unnoticed. Aaron's not looking at it, but Ryan Neal picks up this deep crossing yes. route. I mean, he does so such a great job. But you know, they're they're trying to do a rub route on Jamal Adams and get the tight end into would you call that an arrow route into the flat? I don't yep. know what you guys call yep. it, but. Um, and again, you're right. It, because he got his hands on the re- receiver and worked over the top, that play was gone, and it gave Trey Brown just enough time to to make a play on it. But that was that was a really good play by him. Great play by Trey Brown. Next play, Russell Wilson is intercepted in the end zone by Kevin King. Russ takes the shotgun snap, steps up, looks. Now he's got to move. Now he's sliding left again. Now he throws to the goal line, and it's intercepted in the end zone. The ball was on the ground. No, they're saying they are saying it was a touchback. King dropped the ball after he hit the ground, and Russell drives that ball, and he I don't think he ever saw King as he tried to get it to Metcalf. Three defenders around. That one he forced. Right here, we call this an, an orange or an organ. You got outs by the slot. Um, Lockett runs the corner. So does DK. DK runs the post. So they're trying to influence that safety right there. Um, this is just a really bad decision by Russell Wilson. Russell steps up in the pocket. The safeties do a great job of bracketing um, DK Russell rolls to the left. He says, look, the defender had his back to him. That's why he threw the football. But if you're going to throw that football, it's got to be high into the corner, the back of the end zone to where your six, three, six, four receiver can get it. Um, I just don't know what he was looking at here. This is a month of not playing football right here. And and I know he looks at this and he's disgusted. Yeah. I mean, look, it's also part of his nature in that he wants the big play. Mm-hmm. And you're right, from a decision-making standpoint, this was in the first quarter, 7 nothing game, three, you know, I'd say we, we can live to fight another day. This is a 3 nothing game in the fourth quarter. I mean, I, actually, he should have been sacked on this play, and they he kind of squirmed out of it. I wish he had a got sacked <laughs> because <laughs> we, we would have had at least a, a, an opportunity to tie the game there. Um, there. There's another thing on this. It's just a bad decision, Russ. Russ knows this. I wish Travis Homer, when he leaked out of the backfield, I wish he had followed Russ. Yeah. He went the other way. The The middle of the field is wide open. I don't know if Russ would have seen it, but there's no way he's seen it when you're running away from him. When Russ is running to the left sideline, 
and you're running the middle of the field to the right sideline, Russ can't see that. You, they got to mirror that better. Here's the thing, though. As a quarterback, okay, where's my bell out? Where's my outlet? Right. Right? If everything's he's gotta, covered. He's got to follow that. That's that's where I go to. So. And that yeah. middle of the field, again, any zone, the middle of the field. And sometimes man-to-man, you can get lost when you sneak a back through the middle of the line. Mm-hmm. And you can you can lose them, particularly if a, a back is, or a linebacker or somebody's trying to hug you. You can play that, right, where he starts to hug and then, boom, you're out. But in a zone, the middle of the field is usually there's a weakness. So just Russ, as you're listening to this, I'm just coaching you up, buddy. (laughs) Sure he's listening. Coaching you up. Coaching him up. All right, next play. Jamal Adams intercepts Aaron Rodgers in the end zone. Rodgers steps up in the pocket, looks, gets hit, steps out of a possible sack. Bobby hits him. Ball is in the end zone, and it's picked off. Jamal Adams picks it off. It's intended in the end zone for DeGuara. Rodgers is hit just as he throws the ball by Wagner. It's intercepted the Seahawks. Kill the drive by the Packers and take over the first interception for Adams this season. Well, I don't even know where to describe it. There's a couple good things that happen here. One, you know, Aaron looks to his left, and and we have that covered. Um, It's a good pass rush, and that's what saves the day because the pass rush got to Aaron Rodgers. And we talked about this going to this game. Aaron believes in his arm so much he's going to throw a contested ball. You've mm-hmm. got to come up with it. We're playing a three-deep zone. We didn't, we didn't really play it very well. It looks like we actually kind of busted because they run a seam route to our left. The offense is right. Seam routes, the number two receivers running the seam routes, the weakness of a three-deep zone because they can widen the corner. And what they're trying to do is you're trying to throw something in between the free safety and the corner. In this case, you always teach those guys to carry that, to hold that throw off. Otherwise, just an easy touchdown. Uh, luckily, Aaron wasn't looking to that side. And then when he finally started to scramble and we got good heat on him, he saw somebody flash in the end zone at the last second. Bad decision on his part right after Russell. I mean, we go bang, bang, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and again, it's a good play by Jamal Adams. I mean, that, that's the best he could have done there. Uh, you know, nothing he could have done. and But he made a play in the ball, and that's – Huge. And you know what's great about this play? It's just the excitement the defense had for Jamal. You know, yeah. they, they feel it. They man. They want him to, to mm-hmm. have that success. I mean, he's a good locker room guy. The guys like him. And so I do think we're going to see more interceptions from him. And his best is still ahead. Still ahead, Moore. <laughs> still ahead. All right, so Aaron Rodgers looks to the left side. You know why? Because Devontae Adams is over there. He goes, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my guy decision. a chance. And at the same time, you influence that safety. Up top, you got a guy running an out and up, which widens the corner, which you're, you're talking about. By design, you run that out and up to make that corner expand. And then you got the seam route. Um, I think if Ugo, I don't understand why Ugo is flying to the flat right now just so aggressively. I think that he should be patient, get his hands on that number two receiver, and drop just like you talked about. But this is a great example of how the the front is connected with the back end. Because if, if that D-line does not get pressure on Aaron Rodgers, he's going to flick that wrist, and that thing is gone. So, um no, you're right. They're great pass rushes uh, make up for a lot of deficiencies. <laughs> there's usually somebody open. It's just don't do you have time? You know, look, there's five guys out of the backfield. Everybody does this with Russell Wilson. Why didn't Russell see that guy? Because he's looking to the left. Okay, <laughs> that's the fifth option. You have to see the whole field more. You got to see everything. <laughs> I, I, if I'm looking to the left and my fifth option is sitting on the far right side sideline. I may not get there, particularly if there's a pass rush. And that, as much as anything, saved the day there. All right, D-line, you keep doing your thing. We might see Jamal Adams 
get a couple more picks when this thing is all said and done. When we return, we'll go around the NFL. Teddy Bridgewater lets his team down. Have we seen the last of Richard Sherman? Does Le'Veon Bell have anything left in the tank? We'll sort out the NFC playoff picture. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Time to go around the NFL. Top story, at least a top story to us. Teddy Bridgewater gave up on a fumble that ended in Eagles, ended up in the Eagles touchdown last week. And boy, did it look bad. Here's his explanation on what happened. Yeah, um, man, we watched it today uh, as a team. And, um, you know, coach pointed it out that, hey, my effort had to be better there. And I, I totally agree. That's not the type of tape that I want to put out there. It's one of those situations where you, you get pissed, you know, after you watch it because it's like, you know how much this game means to you. You know, you know, guys out there trying to make a play. It's like you feel like you got a little help running towards the sideline. You try to force a cutback, but in slow, in real time, in slow motion, I'm sorry, in real time, it feels like, hey, everything's happening fast. Let's force a cutback. But when you slow it down, it's like, man, you know, just give more effort. You, you watch it, you walk away from it pissed, you know, at yourself, at the effort. Before you guys jump in, let me just paint the picture a little bit better. So it's a handoff to the running back. It's a short yardage play. The running back fumbles the ball. Darius Slay from the Eagles picks it up and is dancing. I mean, the ball is slipping out of his hands. He's running back and forth and then finally breaks to the sideline. And Teddy Bridgewater not only has an angle, Slay is running right at him. And as he gets close, he takes one, two steps, makes a clear business decision, doesn't even try. His running back is going after. He gets tackled. Slay runs it back for a touchdown. And it was one of the worst-looking effort plays I think I've ever seen. Effort. Two things you can control. You know what I'm going to say. Attitude and effort on the football field. That was bad. Moira, you played the game. You coached the game. How did that thing pan out in the locker room? Um, times have changed <laughs> because <laughs> it's a kinder, gentler world of you got to give a better effort. So my last year <clears throat> playing – I had a bunch of stingers going on, and I always tell people, I said, when you get to a point in your career where you're telling yourself, go hit that guy, and it's not like that in slow motion. It's just, I got to go hit that guy. You can't even have that conversation. It's too late. And we're playing the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know what the score is. It's, uh, again, my last year. Quarterback busts the, the pocket up the middle, and he's going to score. I mean, he gets – Actually, I thought he was on the goal line because I run up there and then I see the goal line, and so I pull up because he's right there at the goal line. It wasn't the goal line. It was the extra point line. Mm. And, oh, man, it looked bad because it looks like I pulled up on him, but they had the exact same markings, only it's, you know, a six-inch, you know, marking compared to the end zone. Yeah. But sub subconsciously, something made me do that. I don't know what. Man, let me tell you what. When I and I knew how bad it was going to look because I all of a sudden I realized he wasn't in the end zone. You try to go home and watch it, and you go, "Oh, this is going to be bad. It's going to be bad in the film room." And they made a point. And so we're just with the DBs. Thank God. Uh, they could have done it in front of the whole team. That would have been horrible. But Joe Vitt, you know, who I'm very close with, man, he ripped me, and he had to. I mean, that you, you can't accept that. I mean, I turned down a hit. Never done that in my career. It looked horrible. He, you know, he's from Philly, and, I mean, he, he yes, there's lots of languages I can't use on this one. <laughs> I, it, it hurt, but I had to accept it, and I didn't even say anything. I, t- I didn't even try to make an excuse. I told him, I remember going in the shower afterwards, and, man, I was just, my head was down. He came in there and, like, patted me on the back. He goes, I had to do that. He goes, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, you can't have that, you know, what's going on. And 
I re- that was really when I started to realize that my career's over. I got a couple of herniated discs. But today, they don't do that. It's, hey, you got to give a better effort. Mine was, if you don't want to play, <laughs> there's guys who want to play in this league. They're giving an effort. This is, it was brutal. That was the that's actually the worst moment in my career. Did you guys win that game? Nope. We matter of fact, we lost every year in Kansas City until the one where Derek Thomas missed the eighth sack of the game, and we threw mm. basically a hell mary to Paul Scanzi to beat him. No, we did not. It was a closer game. We probably still lost by double digits. And in that touchdown, actually, the game was it was at, put it out of reach, anyways. But I just knew what that was. You never want to be called a coward. Yeah. And football, no, you don't want to say you've ever turned down a hit, especially in the goal line. I tell people, goal line is Oklahoma drill. It's it's no longer form tackle. It's sellout time. It's man against man. Throw your body in there. Yep. And it, when you turn that down, that's career ending. It really is. And it's 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 hard to live with that. Unless you're a quarterback, because Teddy Bridgewater is still <laughs> going to play He's not paid to hit nobody. No, but still. But you still got to give him effort. You made the point um, during the, the post-game show on Sunday, you're still a football player, right? Yeah. You still played this game. At some point, Teddy played on the field at some point of his career. He's capable. Yeah, he's capable of just throw your body in there, or like Nasa Chobi, our producer, says, give the old kicker. Effort. They throw throw your body in like ole, like throw your arms in there and, and give the look. I tried, but I just don't have this in me. That reminded me of Janikowski against the Raiders. I think it was. Oh, that was bad one. When too. he just bowed out and he goes, "Look, nah, he just kind of jogged off. I don't like, want. I don't want none of that." I've had coaches tell their kickers, "Hey, after you kick it, jog off the field." Really? Yeah, you're more important to keep you healthy. I need you to kick the ball. So this is going to be ten versus eleven. What is this? Are we playing soccer? You got a red card? What Look, I'm not saying I like that. I never had a coach do it in the, my teams, but I've seen teams do that. Um, quarterback, same way. It's awfully valuable position. What I, All I would tell Teddy in that situation is, look, you can make an effort to just at least try to pull him down, grab yeah. his jersey. Mm-hmm. Heck, in those situations, grab his face mask. We'll take the 15-yard penalty. Yeah. At least we'll get him down. All right. Moving on. Richard Sherman was placed in IR on Wednesday. He... Got hurt during warm-ups, man. And Richards had an interesting year. Um, he goes down to Tampa Bay where everyone goes to retire, win championships. Is this the last we've seen of good old Richard Sherman? I think so. Uh, and it's not that um, he couldn't get healthy and, and still play in this league. But once you start the injury bug when you're older, it just doesn't get better. It's it's really hard. I, I you know Again, basketball, Lebr- LeBron James right now. I'm concerned that, you know, he, he's going to – the injury bug's starting to hit. It's just you get older. It's just hard to recover, and it, your body starts compensating for things. And when, he's got everything. He's got, you know, knee. He's got Achilles. He's got hamstring. Those are all connected to each other. Yep. And then all of a sudden something overcompensates. And a lot of times you end up blowing a knee out on the other side because it's overcompensating so much. He's got enough money. He's had a fun – he's got a Hall of Fame career. It's time. It's time for him to go. I th- what do you think? <sighs> yeah, I think it is. And he plays a position where you're reacting. Like, you're not controlling the situation, really. You're backpedaling. You're reacting to what the offense is doing. Uh, yeah, I think it's time. Like you said, man, great career. I'm sure you think he gets into the ring of, ring of honor up here? I do. I, I think he does. And I don't think – I mean, from our group, um, you know, Bobby Wagner's going in. Mm-hmm. Uh 
KJ Wright's going, or, or maybe we'll see. Uh, Cam Chancellor's yeah. going in. I don't think Earl's getting in. No, I don't. Uh, we'll see what happens to his career, but I really believe the honor part is so important. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to me, Marshawn tougher. Um, yes, certainly, yes, well, yes, 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 and yes. I think. Well, hang on, I'm, but, and I'm maybe <laughs> longevity matters. Um, I yeah, I think so. It's just we have so many people to put into the Ring of Honor. So many in the, from the last ten years, Doug. Well, you got Doug. I mean, let me, let me go back. Uh, we got Sean Alexander. I mean, does he get in? Now, to me, he, he had, should have been in by now, though. Well, Matt Hasselbeck just got in. Yeah, but wasn't he here before? No, no Matt they was came here before in, him. They yeah. came in about the same time. I, I, matter of fact, when we drafted uh, Sean, we were, I, I think the stadium was being built, and we, they were over at University of Washington that first year. Mm-hmm. So, they, they, same career time. Uh, obviously, Matt played a lot longer. Maybe you're waiting for them to retire. I just think, look, we just got Mike Holmgren in, right? I mean, the Hutch, uh, you know, we got Sean Alexander. Um, there's some guys still from my time that potentially. And then you got, obviously, this whole era of Russell Wilson and, you know, Sherman and Bobby and KJ and, uh, you know, Marshawn. It's going to be crowded in that ring, man. Very, very crowded. So they can't put them in every year. Um, I think if – I think if Sherman, if Earl gets in, man, it's going to be 15, 20 years. Mm. I believe, and, you know, I mean, uh, Kenny Easley went through it. You know, there there was some uh, friction there. They had an issue, you know, and I think with the way Earl went out, that's a friction. That's an, It may change ownership or a regime change before he gets in is all I'm thinking. And he also got into a little bit of trouble. That's the honor part. Yeah, the honor. I think that's that's a big point, the honor, mm-hmm. right? You have to have a certain type of reputation. That will accelerate the process mm-hmm. for you. But if you have uh, some off-the-field issues, it might affect you a little bit. You can be a great player. I mean, that that's number one. Or you got to be great at what you do, whether you're an announcer or a coach. you got to have that success. But I can't go and do that. I just To me, it would be awkward. I just think the way he left, the way he gave the bird – um, you know, just that part and then you know the off-field incidents, I, I think it's going to be tough for him to get in. All right. We shall see. Time will tell. Okay, when we return, we'll give you our final thoughts and keys to victory. That's next on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. It's almost time to put a bow on this thing and say goodnight. But before we do, we got some things to talk about, man. These Arizona Cardinals is going to be a tough game. They're 8-2. and two. Seems like they're getting healthy. Signs are pointing towards Kyler Murray being available. It doesn't look like DeAndre Hopkins will be available. They still have A.J. Green, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, um, James Conner on defense. You got Buda Baker. You got Murphy. You got Simmons. You got Marcus Golden with nine sacks. Mm. I, I guess Chandler the, Jones. We're Chandler not Jones. He's got six, but only one since the opener when he had five. Yeah, he's been banged up a little bit. I think he's only played in five or six games this year. Good. Keep him off the field. <laughs> but these guys are good. These guys are tough, and they are undefeated on the road this year. That uh-huh. is key. I'd rather be playing them in Arizona. We travel well. Yeah. Common theme here, buddy. Another tough game. Another We've tough. had a tough schedule. Mm-hmm. I mean, outside of Jacksonville, who's played decent, you know, I think they're two and two of the last four games. Um, you know, Indies, I mean, go look at our schedule. I mean, it's a tough schedule. And we've been in every game, and I'm going to even say Minnesota. We've been in every game. Yeah. 
We gave up the lead 17-7. to We've had a chance to win in the fourth quarter every game this year. So we're competitive. We're just not finding ways to close it. We're going to win this game. So, so you're going to pick the Hawks to win yep, on Sunday. I'm, so I'm going to help you out already because I'm me? destroying everybody on game predictions <laughs> with six wins this facts, year. Facts. Um, no, I, I didn't have a good feeling in any of the games before, mm-hmm. and I've picked the other teams. I'm telling you the Hawks are going to win this one as long as DeAndre Hopkins doesn't play. <laughs> <laughs> and he's not going to play. Oh, we got to wait. All right, it, it's, it's, we're going to win this game. We're okay. going to win. We're playing well enough defensively. Kyler Murray's not at his best. Um, I I think we'll be I think we'll take care of that. Their defense is banged up. Um, we're gonna play better. It, if, it should be a low score. If game. Chris Carson does not play, you still feel the same way. I'm not counting on Chris Carson this year. Uh, I I know neck injuries. That's what put me in the retirement world. Um, they're they're tricky. Um, and if it's if it's not developing because of treatment and things like that. You know, it often means there's another level. I mean, it's possible surgery. They're going to shut him down for the year. So I'm not optimistic, and I have no knowledge other than history. And uh, necks are tricky. And I just, you know, just the Pete part, well, we'll know more, and, and we'll we'll know more. But I'm not counting on him. I mean, I think Allen's Collins will be fine. Again, I'd love for Penny at some point to step up. They're not a good run defense. They're not. They're not. We have to take advantage of that, and I think we will. Run that rock with Alex Collins and Travis Homer, DJ Dallas. We're not counting on Chris Carson, unfortunately. Throwing the football, I think we both agree that DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett need to have big games. Gerald Everett is your third leading receiver right now. He has 22 for 198 and a touchdown. Last game he had six. No, didn't he have eight? Eight, sorry, eight. He, had eight he was my key hawk. Was he your key hog? Wasn't my MVP, but hey, he was my key like, hog. Like I tell you every week, if you need a pat on the back, no, I, got, I got you, bro. I got, I got me covered. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Moyers is balling this year. He's killing us in the games. He's kicking, picking just, the, the key hogs, man. I mean, I life, life to, is good for you, man. Life it, is good. It's good just, for just you, Just celebrated too. 32 years of marriage yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Goodness, man. And you've got a uh, big playoff game against Mount Spokane this Mount week. Mount Spokane. And uh, Eastside Catholic, there's there's some big games coming up here. Yeah, some big games coming up. Nothing bigger than the Cardinals and the Seahawks. and the Seahawks, though, man. If they if they do not win this game, I'm going to say playoff hopes are gone. They're gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, here's why. We, there's four winnable games. All right, put you at seven. I mean, you've got to get, you got to go beat somebody. You got to. You, we have to beat Arizona at least one of these two. Mm-hmm. We're at home. We're healthier than they are. It, Forget how we've played. We got to go win that game, and if we do, the the schedule sets up nicely for us to get a run. But I'm not confident in beating anybody. Chicago, Houston, maybe Houston, but no, every game's tough. Everyone. Yep, every game is going to be a tough one here. Defensively, though, I think that's the bright spot, right? This defense is playing well. They're going to have their hands full this week. Um, We're going to see if Trey Brown can continue to develop. As a young corner, DJ Reed has had a good game. Diggs is doing what he does. Jamal Adams, according to Moira, we have not seen the best of Jamal Adams yet, so we're looking for him to do things. And then the wild card, the guy off the bench, Ryan Neal. Mm-hmm. I mean, he if he can come in and make three or four plays a game, whether it be special teams or one or two on, on the defense, those are the – I think those are like the X factors, the deciding factors, right? We've said it all year. You're pro bowlers and you play like pro bowlers, but then you need guys like Ryan Neal and Ugo Amadi to step in and make a little splash out there to keep things interesting. 
Yeah, the Pro Bowlers, you know, again, we got to step up. I mean, DK Metcalf mentioned something. I think it was, I don't know if it was in a press conference or after that, hey, we got to get the ball to our playmakers. And I agree, but you guys got to make plays. That means you got to make every catch. You got to get open on defense. Man, you know, our Pro Bowlers can't just play the game. You got to play great. Because I, I, here's what I do like. I really feel like we got playmakers in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Both corners. I think Trey Brown adds a dimension for us. Diggs, we know what we're getting there. Jamal is starting, you know, again, he's been playing really good. Throwing Ryan Neal. Um, you know, you got Bobby. You got, you know, Jordan Brooks. You know, those are those are playmakers. Hey, did we forget about Daryl Taylor? It's been a while since he's recorded a sack, right? He was a guy we were really um, – I still am. Well, well, yeah, we are. But, you know, he had that injury in Pittsburgh, I believe it was, and they had to stay out a week, then he comes back. He's got to get going as well. Rasheem Green, second on the on the team with three sacks. He could have had a couple last year. I mean, last week. Alden Robinson has been developing a little bit. I mean, again, names that aren't household names, but names that are vital to the success of this football team. You know, Murray's been sacked 18 times, and that's in what – he, I don't know how many games he's missed. He missed just one game. Missed two, I believe. Missed two. I mean, so, you know, that's a high sack rate uh, for for anybody, even for Russell at that point. So there's some opportunities there. Um, I hope he doesn't play. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I like our chances a lot better. But I, I feel better. I feel like, hey, we had a bad game, but we've got everybody. We're healthy. We know what we're going to get from Russell. We're not going to get another one of those. I mean, we had that conversation, but I don't think we're going to have another game like he played last week. We're going to run the ball. We're going to be efficient. The crowd's going to be loud. We're going to win the game. We're going to go to four and six, and we're going to be right back in this playoff hunt. Boom. Positive vibes only here on Hawks Live. Man, special thanks to Darren Urban, Ryan Neal, and John Clayton for joining us. Board operator Nick Kreisha and our executive producer, Nash Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumpus with Paul Moore. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.